Hello folks and welcome to another episode of the Backmarkers F1 show. This is episode 48 and bringing you the Monaco Grand Prix recap, review, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, I, I must say this was a much better race than the one in Barcelona. Definitely more entertaining, for sure. I found it kind of split 50-50 between fans online. Um, you know, some really didn't like it, some some really enjoyed mm -hmm. it. I was sort of uh, more more in the middle, but toward the side of I, I thought it was a really intriguing race. And you get this with Monaco, right? Obviously, there's not a lot of overtaking that goes mm -hmm. on, but Monaco always provides drama and sort of a long race where a lot of stories unfold throughout that whole race. Mm -hmm. um, and, and this was really similar, I think, actually to the Monaco race in 2018 with Daniel Ricciardo. Kind yeah. of similar circumstances, maybe not as bad as Ricciardo had it, but mm -hmm. I think overall it was a much, it was an intriguing race. I was interested and, and kind of glued to the TV throughout the whole mm -hmm. 78 laps. So much much better after Barcelona. Yeah, like I feel like the 2018 race was more dependent on Ricardo defending his first position and obviously this one was too, but I feel like Lewis Hamilton had to manage his car overall a little bit more where, you know, Ricardo was limited to the gears he had, so he just had to kind of keep pushing and defending whatever he could. Uh but yeah, like it's uh I think I missed the I think I missed the first 10 laps. But yeah, after that, I mean, it was pretty much kind of set to what it was going to be, and it was you were entertained by the fact uh, that Hamilton versus Verstappen was very entertaining because, I mean, at the corners they were super close to each other, and it really yeah. came down to the straights where where Hamilton could get up ahead and get a little more space in between them. But it, I mean, it came down to the wire at the very end. I I know Max's position really didn't matter; he would have come <laughs> and came in fourth even if he did get first place. So, but. Uh, I think it was more of a matter of uh, pride than anything else for him. Yeah, no, it's, it's fair. And um, I think what what you said, too, from the race last year where Vettel wasn't really attacking Ricardo as mm -hmm. much, whereas Verstappen was on the back of that Mercedes through for, I mean, what, almost 30 laps or so? Yeah. So that that was really, really entertaining from that standpoint. And, and, and like I said, there was a lot of things that happened in the midfield, too, that unfortunately the broadcast yeah. missed. And... I, you know, it's difficult to say because we're obviously not in that control room, but mm -hmm. I think they just wanted the emphasis on the top four going for the race win. Yeah. But there was a lot of stuff that I found on Twitter afterwards where it was like, well, you know, why didn't we see that on the on the replays mm -hmm. at least or something? But so there was a lot to follow. And it's such a long race, too. That yeah, it, I mean, 70-some laps, right? It's, it's, yeah. It's, I think for at least maybe maybe 15 to 20 laps, we didn't hear anything from, like, the midfield at all. Yeah, no, exactly. And, like, they would, they would do 15 to 20 laps of, you know, the first to the top four, and then they would try to – I think they would get maybe, like, five laps of the middle or try to fill in what was going on. But I think they evened out a little bit more when, um, uh, you know, the top four started overtake or overlap the, uh, you know, the uh, the the back markers there. Yeah. It was a little – you could see a little bit more. But you're right. You It really honestly felt like at points that uh, – we were missing quite a lot of the midfield. And, yeah, and I agree with you. There was a lot of stuff that we needed to find on Twitter afterwards to know exactly what it went down. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was – it's hard to do. And I, you, you've already said this in terms of a broadcast kind of broadcast kind of view. When you're watching, like, a sports game like basketball or soccer, obviously everything's right there. Yep. With how fast-paced um, F1 is, it's kind of hard to keep track of everybody. And, you know, it would be nice if they had, like – a little box at the bottom of the midfield where they could show, be like, hey, this is what's going on. Just fill in the blanks a little bit. 
but it's 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 hard to report on both of them and yep. yeah I, I, I can see their difficulties with that yeah i i actually kind of got a funny story from that uh well th- well this weekend i wasn't able to watch uh the race live because here in ottawa we had uh the ottawa marathon yeah that uh you've been part of the broadcast before and it's our, our biggest production of the year uh locally and it's you know the the runners can qualify they use it as a qualifying uh, olympic time and stuff so it's a pretty big sporting event here locally in our city but Anyways, we we got to the first day when we were we were setting up, and uh, one of, one of the younger guys that was doing uh, the replays, we were talking about the F one races too because uh, the the director on the show was was saying how Formula One has the best broadcast out of any sport, just in mm-hmm. terms of uh, you know detail and information and, and cameras and all that. And the the kid goes up to him to talk to uh, about things, and I can't remember exactly how he worded it, but he's like, uh, you know, so what replays of the cars do you want me to get? And, and he's like, there's no cars. He's like, they're runners. It's it's a marathon. So it was, it was pretty funny, but yeah, it's difficult to to see from the outside, and you got to imagine they probably got close to fifty different camera sources. Oh yeah, and for sure. They have to really focus on on the certain story of the race, which they normally do a pretty good job of. But in this race, I just found that there was a lot more emphasis on, on the top four. And here and there, we had some, some good racing in the midfield. And one that I wanted to point out to everybody, because maybe not everybody saw it. I definitely didn't during the race was, uh, what really could have been an awful accident with Sergio Perez yeah, and the marshals. Yeah. I mean, this was crazy. And, and there was, uh, the, the onboard footage that we saw and also some fan footage, but, I believe it was coming out of the pits after the Leclerc uh, safety car incident, and the marshals are running on the track to get the debris, and Perez almost runs them over. Yeah, it was it was very close. I think just probably like a foot of distance between them, and you could. Yeah, a, I mean, I said the best part, but it probably <laughs> wasn't the best part. I, I, I it's it's difficult. To, well, I mean, it would be hard if anything happened to them, but. Just the the reaction of seeing Sergio Perez's car come up, and then you know you see them wave their arms around and try to run off, and then like honestly, it was probably less than a foot that they that they that they got away with, I yeah. mean, which is good for them. Very happy to hear that they managed to make it out, but it it's hard. I mean, when you're a driver, like what do you do in that situation? Do you stop? Do you let them go? Because you don't want to ruin your race, obviously. Yeah. And if you hit them, obviously you're going to get in trouble for it too. So it's, it's a difficult situation and you know, both of them made the best out of it. Uh, obviously Sergio Perez, hopefully, I mean, was aware and didn't just drive and wasn't just, was expecting them to move out of the way, but good on both of them to, uh, to make it out of their safe. Yeah, and when you're coming out of the pit lane, you're you're full speed and you're trying to attack the pit exit to, to maximize yeah. your time. And you know these two, thank God they're wearing bright orange. Yeah, but that they the marshals they do this, they're pretty brave because they'll go on track with live cars. And I mean, even though they're under safety car conditions, these are still you know really powerful engines and yeah, uh, and powerful cars. And you know the car's gonna come out on top. Oh, in absolutely. An accident like that. So they're always trying to get debris off the track, and, and we've seen them in different races do this kind of thing. So, you know, thank God nothing happened. But Yeah, that's why they got the halo, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the marshals need one, too. <laughs> the, then the next one I saw, which wasn't so much of an incident, but, but a fantastic overtake, was Carlos Sainz on the first lap. Yep. He went on the outside of um, – right, just right before the Casino Square, he went just on the outside of the Toro Rosso's, I believe, and that was one of the the start overtakes that we missed, uh, and we didn't really get to see a replay of it too. Mm-hmm. So um, we'll get to Carlos Sainz and McLaren later. But that was one that that I saw too. I was like, wow, 
this was uh this was a that that's how you overtake in monaco that's yeah. a very rare spot to to be to be passing yeah, cars. to do it yeah yeah um so getting into sort of the bit of a the nitty-gritty of the race we'll, we'll break down all the incidents and, and obviously the main talking points uh verstappen and, and hamilton being that one but i wanted to start off with ferrari and, and we seem like we're starting off ferrari almost on the negative time. almost yeah. almost on every show and boy i mean luckily for ferrari vettel got a lucky second position absolutely and yeah like like you said it was it was a lot of luck because there at points it did look like um Valtteri was about to catch up and overtake him, but like you said, it's difficult to do in Monaco, and the fact that he managed to keep it, I think he was more concerned about keeping his position than trying to let, than try to catch up to Max. Yeah. I think that's what it came down to, because he knew, I'm sure he was made aware of Max's, uh, Max's situation throughout the entire race, so he knew he just had to wait it out, he just had to defend the entire time, and... If anything happened, he would get second. Obviously, if anything, uh, if Valtteri was taken over, he'd get third. So it was, it was very, it was very tight. And I mean, good racing for Vettel, in my opinion, uh, throughout the race. Yeah, he had some overheating issues, so he pushed on a couple laps and he got very close. And I mm-hmm. think tires and also the overheating issues uh, had to keep him back. But no, I think you're right. I think at the end he saw. We've got a net second position. Let's just be smart here. Yeah. Uh, be wary of Valtteri because he was pushing at certain times. But uh, it, it's his best finish of the season so far. So gradually he's getting closer to a race win. And, man, it was at, at one point when Hamilton was crying over the radio, I thought M- maybe Vettel's going to win this race. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ferrari did get his strategy right. Let's let's give him that. They put him on the right tire uh, along with uh, Red Bull and, and Mercedes did with Valtteri. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into Hamilton's strategy a little bit later, but it seemed like, you know, maybe Ferrari's l- luck will finally turn around. But mm-hmm. obviously, I, I don't think there was any chance of, of Hamilton uh, making a pit stop. So all in all for Ferrari, the weekend was near disastrous because when we go back to, I mean, let's even go back to practice. They had a rough practice session in the second practice session. In the third practice session, Vettel crashes. Mm-hmm. Um, Ferrari did a great job getting that car turned around. wasn't too much damage, but obviously the suspension was was gone. Yeah. And in qualifying, they make the stupidest error of leaving Leclerc in the garage, and he misses out on Q1. Yeah. And, and this shows the inexperience of the Ferrari strategists and on the Ferrari pit wall on Leclerc's side and even on Vettel's side because a team that has a lot of Grand Prix experience will know that First of all, all the cars that were behind Charles Leclerc were going to make another run. Yeah. Track conditions always get quicker near the end of any session, so he they should have known that they were going to improve. That mm-hmm. that time was nowhere near safe. No. And not to mention Vettel had hit the wall a couple times in previous runs, so he had to still improve. Both Ferraris were out in Q1 until the last minute. Yeah, and I think we were talking about the the practice times in our review, and we were like, "Oh, you know, good for Charles Leclerc. He had some good times on there, so we could really see him up on the boards when it comes to, when it does come to qualifying, not just practice." And like you said, very, uh, uh, st- I mean, stupid is kind of the right word for it. I'm trying to find a different word to describe, but yeah, like it was, it just you think with the amount that they've dealt with in Monaco. In the last, you know, however many years they've been racing, they they realize that, you know, track times get faster as you get along. It yeah. gets a little more easier to get grip on the get uh, get grip on the track. And yeah, I just I don't know what made them think that just to put Char to put Charles away would be you know the smartest decision on their part. And obviously, it hurt them quite a lot in the end and hurt Charles' chances in the championship in the very end. 
uh, with this race and in this home race, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. And that was his only choice going into the race was just drive as aggressively as possible because otherwise you're not going to get any result. Mm -hmm. And it eventually cost him. He had a a couple of amazing overtakes in the first 10 laps. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think one on Norris at the hairpin. And then I I can't remember exactly who. I think it was Grosjean. He passed at Raskas. And then a few laps later, that's what took him out of the race. I believe it was on Hulkenberg. He hits the the wall, gives him a puncture, and then bumps uh, uh, the car in front of him. And that just drives the car like a madman. Yeah. With uh, with a puncture, damages the floor, and you know at that point there was just no there was chance. Just no chance at that point, and I think he said it himself right after the race. He's you know he's like the position that we were to that we were starting in. I had no other option but to push, and I think the fact that I was pushing so hard is what brought us down. I wouldn't br- blame it on any other driver on the track. I would blame right. it completely on myself because he knew what he put himself into, and he had to dig himself out of it. So he just pushed a little bit too hard and. Yeah, that's what happens. Yeah, and, and when you get a team that's a, a little bit more inexperienced and then a, a rookie driver, these these kind of mistakes will happen. Yeah. Because Vettel has been a lot more consistent on that front where, you know, Charles is making these little mistakes here and there that, that's costing him. And then when you throw all the Ferrari mistakes on top of it as a team, then it's just it's it's just all snowballing into this yeah. area of where they are, where they're so far back in the championship. Mm-hmm. And even though it looked like Mercedes was on for another one-two, luckily it didn't happen again. It was nice to see Somebody a non-one-two. Yeah, the first think, uh, non-Mercedes uh, one-two. Crazy, right? Six <laughs> races in, we're so happy that it that it didn't happen, and we actually got to see some variety, which was great. Mm-hmm. But Ferrari's just so far behind now in the constructors' championship, in the drivers' championship, and like you said. Leclerc is now even farther behind because of the DNF. So yeah, and it, it did shake up uh, shake up things quite a bit with this Monaco race because now Vettel's in third place in the championship standings. Yeah, exactly. So it could be very interesting, uh, very interesting to see what does happen because you know we said it like probably a few races ago that Vettel chances for this year are getting really slim if he doesn't start uh, start making more podiums and start getting uh, if he doesn't start winning a race. And I think this was a good start for him. Um, this was a good start for him to make it a little bit more in the championship because it's still, at the moment, it's still Valtteri and uh, Lewis Hamilton all the way. Uh, but I think he's, what, like 30 points behind? 40 points behind? I think now? more. I think it's in the 40s. Is it in the 40s? Yeah, yeah I think yeah, it's yeah, like one. Like I think he has 82 points, something like that. Yeah. We can pull up uh, the standings afterward. But, um, I mean, it's. I think it's about two race victories more than that. Yeah. Most likely that uh, that Hamilton is ahead of him. And obviously, Valtteri was a big loser this weekend as well because of the the Max issue in the pit lane. Yeah. And, I mean, briefly just talking about that, there's no blame that goes on the drivers. When Verstappen sees the green light, he goes. Yeah. So, I think Red Bull, they took the chance. That pit lane is so chaotic that you can't really see anything behind or the cars uh, beside you. Mm-hmm. So, they were trying to get the fastest pit stop as possible, released him. I think the time penalties are interesting because we saw a few drivers that got 10-second time penalties for incidents that could be seen as just less locks. than the pit's yeah, unsafe no, I release. Agree. Um, I personally didn't mind the five-second penalty because it it allowed the race to happen. What happened? I, absolutely, yeah. It put it put Max uh, in a little fire, you know. He he wanted to get his first place and see see if he could do any better and get, get better than fourth at the end of it. So. Yeah, because if they would have given him a five-second drive-through or a, a five-second stop-go in the pit lane, then 
none of that battle between him and Hamilton would have happened. Yeah. So I don't mind the five second to be added at the end of the race and, and still get the drivers, like you said, Verstappen had to be aggressive at times to try and get yeah. the, get the lead and beat that time penalty. So there were a lot that uh, of penalties that were handed out. You know, Grosjean, Stroll got one. Um, yeah. I think Magnussen got one as well, uh, w- which really hampered his race too. So that that is always dodgy with the FIA in terms of w- the penalties they hand out. But I, I thought that the, the five-second w- was fair enough. And if you're Mercedes, you probably don't agree, but it, it really killed Valdery's race. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, I agree. There's nothing else I can really add on that. You pretty much covered it. Yeah. So let's get into Hamilton versus Verstappen because we haven't seen much of this battle definitely in 2019. We saw mm-hmm. glimpses of it in, in 2018, and it really excited us. But it was just amazing to see Max Verstappen just hound Lewis Hamilton for a solid 30, 35 laps. And we could be potentially seeing, we talked about Ferrari versus Mercedes, but maybe it's Red Bull and maybe it's Max Verstappen that Mercedes have to be concerned about. I think about. it's everybody against Mercedes this year, to be honest. Yeah, it I has mean, to it be has, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, it has been for a while, but yeah, it's... It, I mean, I think Max had that's what the second fastest time in the first in the first practice, something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he was setting, he was putting up some good times on on the track the entire weekend, and then uh, to see him up in second place when I joined in, it, I I was amazed at the fact that he's keeping up with Lewis Hamilton and the fact that he's keeping back uh, both Vettel and Valtteri at the same at the same time. Um, cause like, like I said earlier, like it didn't look like, uh, didn't look like Vettel was fighting for the second position cause he knew what he, uh, he, he knew what he had to deal with, but Verstappen put a lot of work into this race. If you think about it, like, like obviously he was chasing that Hamilton the entire time, had to worry about his own car as well as his five second penalty that he, he was going to get at the end of the race. So he was trying to make the best time possible. And at the same time, like, I think. It was last year when uh, when the meme came out. Well, I guess it wasn't really a meme, but the meme with uh, Lewis Hamilton saying, if uh, Vettel's going to be on your left side, where are you going to be? Right. The right Verstappen, side. Yeah. yeah. So it was <laughs> nice to see them actually racing with each other and having a good race at that. And like the race incident that, didn't, that did happen, I say it's completely a racist incident. I wouldn't blame sure. either of the drivers for that because when you're in the heat of the moment, you think you're going to pass a person. You want to give it as much as you can. And it was so close. It, w- it was very close, and I'm glad uh, not, uh, both of the drivers made it out there safe, no issues, and managed to complete the race at the same time. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it's really exciting to see where uh, the top four or how the top six are going to be racing with after this race, if this is what we see in Monaco. And actually, it's funny, I was discussing with uh, one of my friends before the race, uh, we were talking about Monaco, and me and my two buddy, me and my other buddy, were super excited to check out Monaco because it's a glam race, you know. Yeah. It's, it's nice to see that race happen every year. My friends like, oh, I'm not even gonna watch it. Like Monaco's the shittiest track of the entire <laughs> year. I was like, nah, man. Like no way. Like I understand that there's no like it's it's hard to get some like real racing in it. And I think after this weekend, we can see that in Monaco, there racing can actually happen without just you know. The race is finished in qualifying. There's still a lot to be added when it comes to the race itself. Um, and yes, the end of the discussion was that Barcelona is the shittiest track all year. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the difference too. Is the difference between like let's say the race in Barcelona and even Azerbaijan, maybe we even go to China as well, is that we weren't sure if Hamilton was going to win this race. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily all decided after the first corner, even though traditionally Monaco is like that. 
because he did Hamilton did have some issues. Yeah. Much like Ricardo had issues, so we still had that hope or that possibility that something will happen because Monaco is such a dangerous track in that regard. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's 50-50 with those people, but I agree. It's one of those it's a historic race. It's been on the calendar almost since the start of the sport, so yeah, you you want to keep it you there. You want you want to keep it there. Yeah. I, I like I I understand the debate that, you know, if they should keep Monaco or not, but it it's such an exciting and beautiful track at that that you that you want it to you want to keep it on the calendar. You want to see Monaco every year. And yeah, I mean, I was I thought it was going to be a boring race, to be honest, right mm. before we got into it. And then, yeah, it was it, it was interesting throughout because, like last year, we were I was at the edge of my seat to see what would happen with Hamilton. Right. Was Max going to make it through? Was he going to beat his time and actually manage to make a podium this year? And, yeah, it was – and they were obviously talking about Nicky Lauda the entire race. And it, it was nice to see all the red hats come out because at one point I yeah. think they brought in the actual winner's hats – and everyone was like, "No, no, no! Though the these hat. aren't no, these aren't the hats for this race." And every they brought out all the red hats, so it was nice to see, uh, you know, to have this kind of race after the passing of Nicky Lauda as well. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna wear a different hat, but then I saw it was red, so I figured <laughs> I'd. But those hats were really cool. They were yeah. they were awesome. So they had, did a lot of nice pre race stuff too, which was nice. But yeah, it, the the Mercedes strategy was interesting, and and I I don't know if they've sort of released why they put Mercedes onto uh, the, the yellow medium tire because everybody behind put on the white hard tire, yeah, which was supposed start. to last, you know, 50, 60 laps, whatever it was. Whereas the medium tire, of, of course, the longevity wasn't as much. And I mean, Hamilton was complaining a lot on the radio. And <laughs> even though his complaints were legitimate because his front tires were, were yeah. in trouble. They, they were really worn, and Verstappen and Vettel had, had much better tires on, on the harder compound. But I, I don't know if I missed the team radio, but if I was Lewis's engineer, I'd be like, listen, if you pit, you're going to lose this race. Yeah. So like, just drive. Just stop complaining. I was honestly like shocked with how calm they were with the, throughout those moments when like you could hear Lewis over the, o- o- over the headset complaining because like – yeah, you're exactly right. If you're if you come into the pit lane right now to change out your tires, you're losing your position. You're not making yeah. that back anytime soon, no matter how great of a driver you are. Like you're 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 stuck. This you got to deal with it, or you just come in the pit and you accept that you're not going to be making podium this time. Yeah, and I understand that from his perspective, he was probably freaking out in, yeah. in the car. But I don't know if we missed it. But if I was his race engineer, I would have been like, mate, remember last year with Ricardo down the MGUK 160 horsepower less and he won the race. Yeah. You only have to deal with worn tires, which it is difficult. But the other thing too, that I'm glad the commentators pointed out was his rear tires were in good condition. Yep. And in Monaco, especially where Verstappen was trying to overtake him going into the tunnel and then the chicane, that's where Hamilton was gaining the advantage because his rear tires were in much better condition. His acceleration off the Mm -hmm. corners were much better. And then obviously Mercedes power on the little straights made the difference too. So, and again, the other thing, too, that shocked me, Romain Grosjean did 50 laps on the soft compound tire. Wow. Started I actually didn't realize that. One stop the race. Neither, neither did I. And I, I believe I'm 99% sure it was the soft, the red C5 wow. tire. He started the race on that. One stop the whole race, made it 50 laps. Wow. So it shows you that, you know, in Monaco, it is so difficult to overtake, as, as uh, Verstappen showed us, that even if you're dealing with tire issues or even engine or car issues Mm -hmm. you can still keep the car behind and so maybe we missed a couple of the radio transmissions but there was at some points where like hamilton was like i'm gonna lose this race and it's like 
man, just keep doing what just you're doing. Just do it. Yeah, like, and he had a great race for what I he was dealing. defended deal- really well. Yeah, like he, like fantastic race. We were talking about at the beginning, like as so much as I like to shit on Lewis Hamilton, he had a great drive of managing his car, doing whatever he can to stay ahead. And defending at the same time, man. Doing all three of those things at the same time is very difficult. And he managed to make it all the way through with no issues. Well, I mean, minor issues. But, like, he still, he did it. Like, he, he's got to be happy with the fact that uh, he made it through so long. And I mentioned it earlier before you went on. Like, he he was saying after his interview that he hasn't been put out like that. He hasn't been left <laughs> out like that since McLaren. But, man, there's no reason to shit on McLaren at that point. Like you, you managed to do both, and you're still here, and you're in first place in this race. Like, what's the point in bringing up something that happened like ten years ago? So I don't know. That, that's why I started to think as the the laps kept going, and I later realized there's no chance Hamilton is gonna gonna box because he did similar to that in the Monaco race in 2015, where he lost the race sort of the similar way. So I realized, okay, he's not going to come into the pits. But so I'm, I'm curious, how much of it was it a bluff? Because the ra- the teams have I was radio communication. Yeah. So if Hamilton's going, man, I think I'm going to lose this race. I'm in terrible condition. And if Red Bull go on the radio to Max and say, push now, his tires are in, in bad condition. So I, I wonder how much of a gamesmanship it was. I, I think some of it was legitimate. Maybe some of it was strategic. Well, in some of the replays, it, you could see with the slow motion that it was it was a little worn for sure. Oh yeah. Uh, and I, th- I honestly think he was, he was concerned about if this were to happen in the middle of a turn or something, his tires just go out completely. What's going to happen? Because it's such a small track, mm. it might ruin some of the drives for all the other drivers. Because obviously they'll probably go into another safety car if he did crash out. Because it's a small track, and with Max only what like three, two seconds behind him at the time, maybe less than a second. I think less. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's hard for it. I, it's hard for him to know exactly what's going to happen um, if you know if his tires if his tires did mess up. So it, it's it it can be a little bit both ways. Obviously, it can be a game play, or it's more if you know thinking of ahead of what would happen. But I think as a driver, you man, as just keep going. Like until <laughs> your car gives out, just keep pushing. Stop complaining, in my opinion. But. What do I know? I don't drive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, easy to say from the couch. But, yeah, because at one point, like, he gives you hope, right? He's complaining yeah. about the tires. Maybe he's going to pit. Maybe Vettel's going to win the race yeah. or Verstappen's going to pull away, win the race. And then, yeah, but um, he he defended really well. He, he It shows you his race craft, and you saw how he was doing it in the hairpin, too just covering off that inside because yeah. Max would have lunged it into the hairpin as well, but uh, Hamilton was covering it off. So he only made that really one mistake where, where Verstappen sent it yeah. uh, at the chicane because Hamilton didn't get a, a good enough exit. And, uh, yeah, that was Max's only chance is what he was waiting for because really he didn't have any other areas that he no, could, he no, could no. try it. And, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. I think it was a racing incident. Uh, like I was saying before the show, I, I was surprised that he went for it. Yeah. I mean – in hindsight, it's Verstappen, so I'm not surprised. But, but that would have been Verstappen of last year, in my opinion. But like, well, maybe early last year. But to where I, I think we've seen a much more mature Verstappen this year, and I was also surprised that he actually did go for it because he could have kept his time. Obviously, still come in fourth place, but still not have a chance of ruining his front wing, you know, and obviously ruining his tires a little bit for the last little bit of the race. Or, you know, try to go for fastest lap, like Pierre Gasly, his teammate, did at the very end. 
So it was, uh, yeah, it was a little bit surprising. I mean, made for great pictures, but... <laughs> Beautiful pictures, yeah. We're probably going to use that as the thumbnail. I mean, um, I, I forget the photographer's name, but it's from Motorsport Images. And he just captured some terrific photos. Uh, check them out on, on online, and we can post some here. But, yeah, just, just perfect positioning for that move yeah. that Verstappen made on Hamilton. It, it was awesome. But, uh, yeah, and... This Monaco weekend, I think, really showed the evolution of Max Verstappen in, in 2019, yeah. who he's becoming as a driver. And I think it's important for everybody to take note because remember 12 months ago what happened at this weekend? Crashed it in FP3, ruined his chance of pole, ruined his race, even though he did have a good recovery drive. He had to sit on the sidelines and watch Daniel Ricciardo celebrate, watch the entire team and the whole F1 yep. world give praise to Daniel Ricciardo and what an amazing job he had. And Verstappen, we saw it a little bit in the Netflix series that, I mean, he was super pissed. And you know that he was looking at that going, yeah. that should have been me. Yeah, especially because, like, what, two races before Monaco of last year, they had both they had both crashed into each other? Exactly. So it was, yeah, it was, I totally agree with you. It's a very more evolved Max Verstappen that we're seeing this year. To so. me, he's been the best driver on the grid next to Valtteri Bottas yep. in 2019. And if the car would be up to par with Mercedes, he'd be leading the championship. In oh, my I opinion. agree. And when you look look at the entire weekend, he had a lot of issues in practice, uh, you know, floor issues, uh, other damage. But like we said, got fa uh, second fastest fastest time in in FP1. He was there in qualifying. You know, did as much as he could to get out of the car. But then when you look at the race, I think the Max Verstappen of 12 months ago probably would have nudged it on the inside of the hairpin. Oh, multiple times. Yeah, multiple <laughs> Not times. Not just once. <laughs> and taken out himself and Hamilton. But how patient he was when he got the penalty. I don't think they broadcasted the team radio, but I'm sure they let him know of the penalty. He didn't get on the radio and said, ah, oh, this is bullshit, you know, screw the stewards, yeah. this is ridiculous. Kept his head down and just drove fantastically. Drove very technically, didn't make many mistakes. No, managed at all. everything in the car, what you were talking about. So we're seeing Max Verstappen mature, and he might not want to admit it, but he definitely, I think, focused on changing the mental side of his game. Yeah. And without a doubt, since Monaco 2018, he's been the best driver on the grid. The lack of you know, performance in the car in 2019, Renault power unit issues in 2018, mm -hmm. unfortunately forced him to not be able to win more races than he already did. But when you look at who he's become, since last year when we talked about his crashes, when, you know, everybody was really worried when Verstappen was behind you, to now being really well-respected and a team leader. Yeah, He's absolutely. in a very new position with Ricardo gone, and he's been forced to step up. He's completely outclassed Pierre Gasly, and again, if that Red Bull was in a much better shape than it is right now, he'd be right up there fighting for the championship. I totally agree. Well, I think we would see a very different uh, top three position at the moment. Well, probably the same people just shaking up a little bit, but yeah, I, no, I totally agree. It's uh, I'm very excited to see more of him to come within the next few years or so, because I think he's just going to get better and better. The, I don't think he's reached his limit yet, so it's, it's going to be a really interesting next uh, maybe like four or five years for, uh, for Max Verstappen, for sure, especially with the Dutch Grand Prix coming back in. Yeah, absolutely. It's great timing for the return of that race. Yeah. And Mercedes, if Mercedes takes a slight step back and Red Bull takes a step up this year, I think they'll have to worry more about Verstappen and Red Bull than they will Vettel and Ferrari. Yeah. Because Max, again, he's young. 
and it seems like he's got everything under control now. Yeah. That aggression, it's still there, like we saw with the overtake. That's old Max. That's yeah. vintage Max Verstappen, even though he's still only, what, 21 years old? <laughs> but that's vintage Max. But it's all under control now. Yeah. And that was what I was watching. He's behind Hamilton for 30 laps, and I'm like, wow, he's keeping this under control. He hasn't just sent it. Because it's super frustrating being 30-some-odd laps behind a car in Monaco I mean, it's very easy just to say, fuck it, I'm just going to send I'm just it on the go inside. For it. No, I agree. I And I felt the exact same way about the race because there was multiple times where I was watching him around turns and stuff. I'm like, man, he's not going for it. Like, why isn't he going for it? And yeah. every lap or so, I would be telling, my, saying, uh, telling myself the same thing. And then, no, I agree. It's he, he's, he's matured quite a lot. He realized the mistakes that he's made the last two years in his racing. And he's looked back on it, and he's he knows what he can fix, and he knows what he can do better about his racing that's going to make him a much better driver overall. Not just a, a better driver in that race, but a better driver throughout the year rather than focusing on one race. Yeah, and, and last year was evidence of that when after the Monaco incident, he brought everything together and was super consistent yeah. throughout the whole season. Yeah, and, and that's a very good point because it's not all about just performance on one session. It's all sessions and then all races long. That's yep. why Lewis Hamilton is where Hamilton is at. And yep. Vettel's been champion because of that reason. So Max has started to bring that together. But like we mentioned before, he just needs that car performance. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that Red Bull can improve a little bit uh, along with Ferrari for this season. But if not, 2020, we don't know what's going to happen with uh, with, with you know yeah. the cars yeah. and contracts and all that type of stuff. But, man, if we get more Verstappen versus Hamilton – that that would be really exciting because that the old school versus the new school yep, and them sure. being so good it, it's really interesting so yeah he was my driver of the day was Max Verstappen no I totally agree and I think I was asking you beforehand like who was it was it would it end up going to Lewis because that was off that that was the obvious choice but yeah I agree he he was definitely my driver of the day bar any crashes bar any mistakes that were made on his part in the pit lane like he performed he was he was out there to win it and he gave it his all even though he didn't so yeah that's what you want to see in a driver yeah let us know what you thought of uh the drive from max verstappen and obviously the the hamilton verstappen incident mm-hmm. um i think we've agreed that it's a racing incident and and he went for it and and uh yeah so just let us know what you thought of that but just the last comment is it shows you that you make your own luck because yep. i feel like 90 percent of the time an incident like that would result in a rear puncture for lewis hamilton yeah i mean almost any car we, we saw it last year when hamilton or uh, when vettel smashed into the back of valtteri in france yeah uh, valtteri had a puncture so it shows that when you're winning when you're doing everything right luck is also luck on your is side. also on your side I so totally agree Hamilton was very fortunate I think to, to come away clean uh, yeah. out of that incident so yeah it, it was good racing from from the both of them um, and, and that was the main main story of the race but looking at other other areas now going back into the midfield but now looking at uh, other areas in in the race and especially the midfield we got to talk a little bit about McLaren because they started the week off in a very embarrassing fashion at Indianapolis, and they end the week on a very positive high yeah. note. Uh, McLaren uh, and Carlos Sainz, P6. We mentioned his overtake in the opening lap just on the top of the podcast, but a, a good drive from McLaren and a good strategy too with all the safety cars and, and the shuffling that happened. Uh, they were fortunate with a couple of the time penalties to the Hasses and, and Ricardo as well. With He got caught out by, by the pit stops, so... McLaren now leads the the best of the rest. They're in fourth place. I think they're 13 points ahead of Racing Point. Wow. So six races in, 
you know, last year they had a decent start to the season, but it seems like this year they're going to be able to keep it up throughout the whole year. Mm -hmm. Whereas last season, this is kind of when they started to fade away. So all in all, I think positive for, for McLaren. Positive for McLaren as well. And it's unfortunate that Lando Norris didn't do as well as we were expecting him to do because uh, show up at Monaco, but great for signs. I think he was he did he crash last year at Monaco? Or am I thinking of the race afterwards? But I think yeah. So I don't know. I, I don't remember either. But yeah, no, it was good for uh, good for signs to to get up there in P six because that's not a position I would expect him to be in. Uh, P6 at Monaco. I was expecting somebody else with what we saw with Danny Kvyat this weekend with the, at practice and qualifying. I was expecting uh, Kvyat to be the best of the rest, to be honest. With obviously, unfortunately, Charles Leclerc getting out of the race so early. Yeah. I, I was expecting a Kvyat P6 finish, but he didn't do too bad coming in P7. Yeah, double points for uh, Toro Rosso, and it was Kvyat's best finish as a Toro Rosso driver as well. So. They looked good from the start of the weekend when we were looking at the practice times and they were able to convert, which yep. was good. Um, I, I thought Daniel Ricciardo was in for P5. At, at I least. did too, yeah. But was... yeah, the whole safety car and the pit stops just sent them right back down yeah. to the field. So It's very unfortunate because after, especially after you just won uh, Monaco the year beforehand, yeah. had your best ever finish, your best ever drive probably in Monaco and to uh, come back the next year with a different team and get – a much lower score is, is very disappointing. He really outperformed the car. It shows you that I, I think it, currently he's the master of Monaco because that that car was way higher than it should have been. Yeah. He qualified it well, and I think he would have, after the early penalties, he was up into P5. Yeah. But like I said, with the whole strategies and, and the pit stops that happened, that happens in Monaco. Yeah. You make the wrong call, you bring the driver in at the wrong time, or you get caught out by a safety car, you're, you're right at the back of the grid. Mm -hmm. It's what happened to Kevin Magnussen as well. He was right behind in, in sixth position, and, and everything went right for Haas uh, up until the race. Qualifying was really good. Um, you know, Grosjean got uh, got backed up by by Gasly, who eventually got a penalty. So everybody moved up a spot, but you know, just stuff like that that happens in the race. Yeah. And I think uh, Grosjean finished in tenth. He got to one point, but he also had a penalty too. Yeah, so, five uh, second penalty as well. Yeah, narrowly finished uh, inside the top ten. So uh, I think for Haas, very frustrating because. They weren't exactly sure. They had a lot of tire issues this uh, this season, but with Grosjean doing that massive stint on the soft tire, I think that was a positive. That was a, yeah, it was a definitely a positive for them in the end. You know, he made uh, he made tenth place as well. So, yeah, good for them. Yeah, just not able to to convert that and uh, racing point, which we we just briefly touched on with Perez and the near miss, but again, disappointing weekend. Perez twelfth and. Lance Stroll 16th, and yeah. Lance Stroll was uh, the target of a lot of shit-talking online after this weekend. Oh, I didn't hear about this. What, what was he getting shit-talked about? Well, we, we played the clip with Raikkonen, obviously, yeah, on yeah, the Friday, yeah. um, or on the Thursday practice, but a similar incident again. He he touched wheels with Raikkonen um, in, the, in the hairpin, and I think it was a racing incident. You know, mm. they were fighting for position, and Lance maybe didn't see Kimi coming through, but... I think he backed up a couple of drivers, but there was this one guy on Twitter that created this huge long thread of stroll incidents from like his whole career, and I'm like, like you really took all that effort and time just to point to out, out all these find mistakes, all of them, yeah, like, yeah, because they were like stuff from Formula Three Thousand. It wasn't just Formula One. I'm oh, like, wow. really, man? <laughs> but he's he's an easy one to shit on. But I guess fair enough because he hasn't done so well this season and he's very underperformed. Yeah. And I, yeah, the car's in a weird state. We thought after the upgrades, I predicted they'd be 
I mean, they're still right there for the hunt in, in best of the rest, but they just haven't had those good results like Toroso had mm-hmm. or Haas have had a couple of those good results. And with Renault taking a big step back this season, you'd anticipate that the former Force India racing point now would take that step because they've always been that team. Yeah. But we'll see now as they go into Canada and France what they can do. But slightly disappointing. And I think that for Lance Stroll too, again, 10 straight Q1 elimination, that's that's got to be the first step if you're Lance. You can't always be setting yourself back by qualifying 16th, 17th. You got to qualify at least 13th, 12th. Give yourself a chance in strategy too to to be able to finish inside the points. And I think I've said it in the last episode, the episode before that. You can't blame the car anymore, man. Like you're at, at some point, you can't. Yeah. You can't blame the car anymore because last year it was always, oh, it's the car. You know, the car's going to be better. The car's just isn't performing as it should. You've got a really good car with you now. And I think it just comes down to like you you have to show how great of a driver you are every every single time you're in that car, not just when it comes to qualifying or racing you yeah. you gotta you gotta put out as much as you can in that car, not just because it's your dad's company <laughs> like it's because you want to be one of the best drivers in the world, yeah. Uh, world, I think I said world. We live in one world, guys. Don't worry. There's a lot of worlds out there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I was expecting a lot more for uh, from Lance Stroll this year, and I think he's kind of dug him, dug, dug himself into a hole where he's he's like you know obviously driving for his dad's company, and then he's it's just gonna get worse and worse. I think the more he performs, but I think we've seen it. he's he's not a bad driver. No, he, he's no. he's not a bad driver, and maybe it's a little more, uh, maybe some nerves with it that the fact that he is the uh, he is where he is. But I expect to see a lot more from Force India in general as a team as we move on, and or whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah, fuck, I said it again, <laughs> didn't I? Racing Point. <laughs> it's okay, Kimmy did it too. <laughs> but yeah, I, I I'm hoping to see a lot more from them as we uh, move on towards some of the other tracks, and especially at the Canadian Grand Prix where yeah. it's his home race. So, well, that so. could be the catalyst for the rest of the season. I mean, this is in effect, it is a home race. Canadian owners, you got a Canadian driver. It's going to be a huge weekend. You wanna you wanna put out a good performance. So, you know, we didn't see the upgrades. Monaco is a quirky track, right? Street circuit, very yeah. tight, narrow. Uh, Barcelona, of course, they didn't show very much with the upgrades, but now we're going to more regular circuits. So let's see what Racing Point could do. Maybe now we're going to start to see the upgrades, but I would completely agree. People are always going to criticize and say that you have a drive because of your dad if, yeah. you, if you put on these performances. But yeah. much like you did in 2017, you shut people up when you have points finishes or you get on the podium. I, I completely agree. He does have the talent, and I know that he is a good driver. Um how much of this is car versus driver performance? We're seeing that it, maybe it is a little bit of both, but Perez is getting just that bit more out of the car. Yeah. So it, you show that the distance in experience and also talent there. But Stroll is a good driver, but he has to bring everything together in a package. Yeah. And you have to also understand that exactly like you said, you can't play in the car anymore. You're in a team that's been fighting for fourth place in the last couple of seasons. Yeah. There's more money. There's There's everything that's more behind this team. So at the end of the day, you got to deliver on the Saturday and on the Sunday. Yep, and absolutely. That's how you're going to shut up all the criticism, and, and people are going to finally start to see your potential. So Canada, to me, I think will be will be a big weekend for the whole team. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to that for, for Racing Point for sure. Yeah, and like we were saying earlier with uh, Max Verstappen bringing everything together to make you know his drive one of the best that we've seen this year, Lance Stroll 
doesn't have as much to go through. Like, he doesn't have any anger issues when he's driving. He doesn't <laughs> cut people off as much. Like, he's he's still a little younger driver than Max Verstappen, and obviously, and I would say Max has a little more talent. Just Quite a little a bit. bit. <laughs> just, you know, just a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I expect to see Lenstrel still driving next year i'm not saying he's going to be losing his drive not just because it's his dad's company <laughs> no i'm actually serious this time um so i expect him to still have a drive next year so we'll uh we'll be seeing a lot more from him as as we move on towards some of the other races so yep and uh wrapping up on uh usually a team that's at the very back of the grid but actually ended up doing very well. well yeah williams if you didn't know, George Russell finished in P15, and that might as well be P5 if you're, <laughs> if you're on Williams right now. Um, again, thanks to the Leclerc retirement, the safety car, all the issues, he finished P15, and this is maybe one of the races where difficult to overtake is actually good for Williams because yeah. they're not getting beat on the straights, and although they are still struggling for downforce, what a mighty drive from George Russell to get that car into P15. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Kubitz is still struggling with the car. He finished in 18th, but... That was also, you know, thanks to some cars dropping out as well. But they've got a 100% finishing rate this year. Yeah, I was actually just reading that. That's very impressive for them, especially kind of the kind of drives they had last year up until this point, where I think only one Williams is finishing almost every race or something like that. Similar to maybe not. Well, I mean, even when you look at Renault, the budget that they have, how big of a team, they've barely finished races this year. Yeah. And Williams is, is at least that doing that. do it, yeah. So... It's uh, it's quite interesting, and you know, good for Williams moving forward because we've said it before. We want to see Williams on. The, we want to see Williams racing. Yeah, it's one of the teams that you know, as as disappointing their uh, disappointing as their season is getting, and more and more, they're a team that we would like to see, see stay in F one and perform and be as good as they were beforehand. So I, it, good for them. I, this is a big step up for them. Not a huge step, but you know, it's a, it's a it's a step up for them. Uh, to hopefully get more results in the future. I think it will get a little better for them. They were supposed to get upgrades, but the the whole thing in Baku that went down with the drain cover sort of halted that a little. Yeah. So I think in a couple races' time, it might get a little bit better for Williams. So hopefully that they're going to start to slowly get out of this hole. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously I don't think that they'll be a point-scoring team, but maybe a couple races here and there they'll be able to get inside the top 10. Mm -hmm. But at least they have something positive to build on and not just finishing, you know, 19th and 20th yeah. like it's been for most of the races. So that that was a positive, at least. And the final team that we really haven't covered was Alfa Romeo. And then yeah. we mentioned Kimi. Disappointing for his 300th Grand Prix. I'm sure he was happy to get the hell out of Monaco yeah. <laughs> and must have been real happy that Finland beat Canada in the World Hockey Championship. Yeah, I saw he was celebrating, so he took uh, <laughs> some, some positives from that weekend, but... Yeah, it, it was just uh, not a good weekend yeah, from any, any standpoint. Both of our dark horses for this weekend didn't do very well. <laughs> that was very wrong. <laughs> very, very wrong. That's, that's why I don't do predictions. That's why I suck at the fantasy. That's why I don't gamble because it's just I never get anything right. Well, our predictions would have been... Well, they were right had it not been for, for, the, the, for the penalty. The, for the penalty, yeah. True. I was about to say it was... Uh, I think I had Valtteri first, Max second, and then I had Hamilton third or the other way around. So I wasn't too yeah. off. I had Hamilton first, Valtteri third, and so I got that right, but I thought Max was going to get second, yeah, which he was. Which he was. And then a penalty. <laughs> yeah, so we were close, and I think uh, Tyler was the same as mine, so we were pretty close, all yeah. three of us. So Yeah. I mean, it's pretty safe to get the two Mercedes on the podium from now on, but yeah. 
Yeah, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> um, you know, the next, uh, well, well, actually, before we cover cover the next two races, we'll just briefly go over the F2 action that also happened over the weekend. And it was it was pretty crazy in some of the races. Uh, the feature race, uh, the first race, Nick DeVries won from pole position. Um, a, a good stellar performance from him. And that really leaped him ahead in the championship. He's now only one point. Uh, unfortunately, Latifi went without any points uh, through both races, which w it was a really poor weekend for him. Just wasn't able to find the performance in the car, and now it's a it's a one point lead in the championship. And um, maybe you went to the wrong podcast. <laughs> you saw that, right? <laughs> <I> yeah. <did. laughs> Don't worry, we'll we'll work on getting him on. But that's what happens. You got to come to our podcast if you want to do well, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, so now he's got more of a championship fight because heading into this race, he was looking, you know, as a favorite to start to slowly run away with it. But Nick DeVries really cut into that with uh, with two good races. And, you know, Schumacher in the first race, Mick Schumacher had had a lot of good overtakes. Uh, he had one really nice one at Mirabeau going into the hairpin, which you really don't see overtakes in there. So if you haven't seen that, check out the highlights because that was a great overtake. And then unfortunately in Raskast, the same place where Leclerc had his mistake, he forced a, a car park situation because the guy he hit spun out, and oh. then you had like two or three cars that were parked in. We saw it in uh, in the F1 race as well. I think uh, Kubica and uh, Perez got tangled up as well. So that's the stuff that that kind of happens around around Monaco. But uh, Antoine Hubert in the sprint race won, and, and this was the most exciting part of the weekend. You know, we we talked a lot about Hamilton Verstappen, but. Hubert was uh, was just a narrow winner, just right at the line. Um, it was a pretty much a photo finish. I think he finished like a half a car wow. length ahead. And, you know, he locked up in, in the last couple of laps. It was similar to Hamilton Verstappen in, in the battle. And Hubert locked up into the chicane a couple of times. But the very last lap, he had it all together. It seemed like, okay, you know, he avoided the dangers of the possible overtaking zones. Mm -hmm. And then in the very last corner... He just had a poor exit, and then I think it was uh, Delatras who was second, was just right on his tail, and photo finish, like just right wow. at half a car length. Yeah, you, you don't, don't see, see those. You don't often. Know. I was about to say you don't see that very often anymore. Like, good for him. That's that's that that's a race. That's a race. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and that's what Monaco provides is just like that that narrow action and. Just that one mistake. It was just a slight mistake. I don't know if he brushed the barriers on the rear, but mm -hmm. he just didn't get a good exit. And, and, you know, it's a short run down to, to the start-finish line, but it was so, so close, and, and it could have ended really badly for Hubert. But. And I think that's got to be one of my favorite parts about Monaco because you make one little mistake and you're out. Well, obviously, with the other races, it's, it's, it, it does matter as well. You make one little mistake and you're out, but they have such a wider track to deal with. Where exactly, this, yeah. With this one, you make one mistake and there's a car coming up behind you that's trying to go past you, and there's very good chances they're going to run into you. So Yeah, yeah. there's no runoff areas here. No. Really. So, yeah. But good for Hubert. It was his first F2 win, and uh, you know, I had a couple of rough weekends. Um, going going back to Baku as well, but uh, yeah, good good winner for him. So the next F two races will be in France, so they won't be in Montreal, mm -hmm. unfortunately, but they will be in France. So uh, if you want to check out any of the F two highlights or or the footage, just uh, go to F 1s YouTube channel, and uh, yeah, you can find it on there. And I guess the last thing that I just wanted to show, which was kind of pretty neat, uh, before we go, was uh, a charity football match. Yeah, including some of the Scuderia Ferrari drivers and. I don't know if those are two drivers you'd want to have on your team at this point, but <laughs> um, I just wanted to show this cool photo between two of the greatest of all time, I yeah, think. Yeah, Vettel and Ronaldo. Pretty well, sweet, right? It is pretty sweet, but, like, the fact that, you know, Ronaldo was obviously obviously on the pitch of, you know, the newer uh, football players out there, but they had 
Uh, they have Francesco Totti. Yeah. They have Andrea Perlo. They had some great Italian legends playing in that charity match. And there was a few charity matches matches going on this weekend. And I'm, unfortunately, I didn't get to watch any of them. But, yeah, there was a, a lot of impressive, like, old-school soccer players that you would recognize right away just on the pitch. So yeah. it, it was it's very interesting. I saw, I think, the Manchester United one yep. and David Beckham. And I'm David like, Beckham man, this guy played... looks like he could play right now. Oh, man. like they uh, great shape. They showed uh, a replay of him taking a free kick. And then they showed a like a side by side comparison of him taking the uh, free kick oh, in ninety nine, <laughs> exact same form, nothing's changed, same speed and everything, and it was great because it was uh, it was a trading match versus United versus Bayern of the ninety nine replay, and they got almost the entire team back from that ninety nine Champions League win wow. to play in that game. So it was really interesting. Um, but yeah, it's, it's it's one of those you know heartwarming moments to see all those players back on the pitch again and playing together. Um, and obviously, one of them still our manager next year, so which is great. <laughs> Happy <laughs> about that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Better free kicks, Roberto Carlos or David Beckham? Oof. F- harder free kicks, Roberto Carlos? Yeah. Uh, not knowing what's going to happen with a free kick, David Beckham. More technical? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Both, though. Yeah, they're just absolute legends in the game in terms of free kicks. But, yeah, no, it's it's a hard call for sure. But Roberto Carlos, I think I think he scored off more of them. But I think uh, David Beckham provided more uh, assists with his free kicks mm. compared to Roberto Carlos. Yeah. I might be wrong about that, but I, that's been my observation of it. So Yeah, no, both legends for sure. And, yeah, a lot of crossover between football and F1 this weekend. Yeah. Ronaldo was, in the, was at Monaco with uh, Lewis Hamilton, David yeah. Tour. And in China as well, I think that's um, – uh, I forget. Maybe he was – Man United, but I, it was some team bringing around the Champions League trophy or okay. something like that. They were doing like a word, tour. not it was uh, maybe some of the players, like old school players, were just doing oh, a world I do tour. Remember this, yeah. And then yeah. Pierre Gasly got invited to, I guess, one of the shows, and they were doing a little, uh, little, little footy here and there. So yeah, it was it was interesting to see. And I think last year as well, Daniel Ricardo and Max Verstappen played in Brazil against like a whole bunch of kids in soccer as well. Mm, yeah. So a lot of, uh, yeah, like you said, a lot of crossovers between soccer and uh, uh, F1, yeah. obviously being major European sports. But yeah, it was, it's really interesting to see. I saw Mbappe was there too in uh, Monaco. Yeah. Um, he's kind of, he's in, he's actually at the French Open. I saw a picture with him in Federer uh, this morning. I'm not sure if he lives in Monaco as well because he's originally from, like his t- original team was Monaco. Monaco, before yeah. he joined PSG, so I'm not sure if he still lives there or not. Uh, but yeah, it's Mbappe was there. You know, I'm not going to be in Paris much longer. But <laughs> <laughs> I heard I, I've been hearing some rumors, but yeah. Um, and and who else? I think uh, I saw Nico Rosberg did a podcast with uh, Chavi Alonso. Oh, really? Um, nice. I believe it was in China. Actually, it might have been the same. Yeah, event yeah. That, uh, oh, yes, yes, because it was Chavi Alonso. Because I think it was the Real Madrid Trophy they were taking around. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, Interesting, actually, uh, a podcast uh, that I saw, and Nico did one with Daniel Ricardo as well. So check that out. It was uh, yeah. It was a good one. So yeah, Nico Rosberg doing some good stuff out there. Yeah, except for that stupid April Fool's prank. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his sense of humor is not not one of my favorites. So yeah, no, it, it was good. It was it was a very. It's interesting because now that soccer's dying down, there's obviously a, a Europa League game tomorrow, Champions League final this weekend. Yep. Fuck Spurs, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's pretty much what like F one, and we got basketball for another few weeks. Ugh. 
And uh, if you haven't heard, <laughs> if you haven't heard, Canada's number one. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard, our prime minister. Um, <laughs> it's uh, first time in franchise history the Toronto Raptors are in the NBA Finals. Canadian team in general is in uh, yeah, the well, NBA Finals. I mean, we're the only one. Vancouver doesn't exist anymore. But, right. Uh, yeah, it's very exciting. Uh, we got a lot of things to look forward to and a lot of great games to watch the next few weeks. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty much sports all week. Yeah, I know it's non-F1 related, but this Thursday's Game 1 in Toronto. If you haven't ever watched basketball, I, I would recommend you watch. Yeah, the Toronto the crowds are, are insane. And this Toronto team could be on the verge of something very special. I think both of them would be setting records for this, eh? Because this, uh, if Golden State wins this, the first team to make uh, what th- four, three consecutives? Uh, I, I don't know if it's are, are they on four now? They're on five in a row in terms of making the finals, I believe, right? Yeah, I think so. And then I think this is, would be the third in a row in terms of wins. Yeah, I, I think other teams have done it before. I think okay. the Chicago Bulls. I think Bulls Chicago did it. Bulls yeah. would be the only yeah. team I'm thinking of. But yeah. But they've dominated the last they they've been sort of the Mercedes of basketball yeah. <laughs> in the last couple of years. If if for the non basketball fans out there you could find a F one analogy, they they've dominated and yeah. you've got uh, you know, Steph Curry who's like the Lewis Hamilton. Yeah. But then you've also got not as much attitude though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe Kevin Durant's a little Kevin, more yeah. Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah, I, I guess uh, you know, the Toronto Raptors are sort of like Ferrari trying to pull off the upset yeah, uh, this exactly. season. Although I do think they're in a much better position. For sure. And it's yeah, like like Chris said, if if you don't watch a lot of basketball and are kind of thinking of getting into it, I would say this is like th- these finals are the ones coming up to actually get you involved because we were talking right before we went on. There was a lot of times that we didn't think Toronto Raptors were going to make it throughout the uh, the last uh, uh, last last uh, games or so, but yeah. it's amazing to see, and almost the entire country has come together for you know for the Toronto Raptors to make it. No, no matter if you're from the East or the West, it's 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 pretty much all come together for you know the Raptors to hopefully win. Yeah, four games away. It's yeah. it's pretty crazy. I've been watching this team pretty much since I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been through a lot of rough years. I'm sure as a lot of fans out there, yeah. different sports teams have been through. So, yeah, it's pretty crazy to finally see them see them in the finals. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exciting time because the our favorite race of the season, the Canadian Grand Prix, is coming up. That's already next weekend. Um, so mm-hmm. that's coming up, and then obviously the NBA Finals, which will be going on at the same time, will be really exciting. So. Yeah, you know, back onto the F1 side just as we wrap up here. Next couple tracks I think might be good for Ferrari. We see Montreal and France, which are a little bit more power sensitive. Mm -hmm. So they could have an advantage there. So we'll see how that plays out, and we'll get a little bit more in-depth into it when we get to our Canadian preview. We're also trying to maybe work on some special content for the Canadian Grand Prix. Well, yeah, because you'll to, be there, and I think Tyler said he might make it out. Yeah, uh, we're trying to see what we can do, if we could possibly maybe talk to some of the drivers. Yeah. Obviously, it's uh, it's always they're very busy with the team, so we'll we'll keep you updated on if anything happens. Mm-hmm. But we'll be at trackside, so follow us on our social media accounts. We'll be posting as much as and we I, can. Our preview might be out earlier than usual as yeah. well, right? Yeah, yeah. You're, on your, you're on your way to Europe. Yes, two weekends away, right after the Montreal Grand Prix. So I still might make that uh, might make the Montreal Grand Prix. Hopefully, yeah. We'll see. Um, if I can find a place to stay, but which is going to be really hard because all the hotels are booked up. <laughs> where are you uh, going, Florence? Uh, that's going that's to, where you don't have the place, right? Uh, yeah, I lost my place today, two weeks away from my trip. So <laughs> I still, you know, I got that's like tough. four other cities to visit in Italy, but Florence was the one I was really excited about. So I gotta come together and find a place that. Any I'm Florence listeners yes, out there? Hook please. this man up. 
please help me out. <laughs> I promise I am not. Okay, I am a little reckless, but not like super reckless. <laughs> no, no he's, a, he's a good guy. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, so I, I got to figure something out. But yeah, so uh, hopefully our previews are a little bit earlier. Um, I think I hope maybe just see you and Tyler for the review. And then I think I should be back for the race after it. In France, yeah. Yeah. I yeah, think, we'll see how it plays I think out. I'll just make it back for that one. So we'll see. Yep. Yeah, a, a good uh, good couple weeks ahead. So uh, with our home race, it's always interesting. Um, but it's nice to be trackside. And I always enjoy watching videos from fans that are trackside. So yeah. um, we'll be posting that on our Instagram story. So follow us there along. And anything uh, sort of special content that gets out of there, you guys will be the first to, first to know. And to be the first to know, make sure you subscribe to us. Uh, below it. and always hit that bell too i know some people uh were saying that sometimes uh youtube will unsubscribe or they'll they'll take off the bell so just maybe could check back in a couple of days just to see you're still subscribed and mm-hmm. you're still getting the notifications because it's the best way to to stay up to date because everybody's busy so yeah exactly. can't always follow uh follow everybody right yeah and i'm pretty like you said i'm pretty sure we're on every social media now we're on instagram twitter Obviously, YouTube, where our show goes up, and then we're on iTunes as well, so you can listen to our podcast on there. If you don't have time to watch the video, definitely try to watch the podcast as well. So, yep, and let us know your thoughts on this race. Uh, Curious what you guys thought of the Hamilton Verstappen incidents, and what do you think of Max Verstappen overall this season? And anything else from the Monaco Grand Prix? uh, Just leave it in the comments. And any future questions or anything about the next couple races? Just drop us a line, and we'll answer it right away the next podcast yep good yeah all right thanks everyone see you for the montreal preview